Welcome, baseball family. This week, we're going to give you a 25% of the way through the season news dump right now. Nine Plus Us presents the Baseball Together podcast with your hosts, Blackjack Brad and Kansas City Little Big Briggy Blue Eyes. And now, Baseball Together. Welcome, baseball family. We are super excited to be here with you today. We've got a ton to talk about, but first, introductions are in order. If you're new here, I'm Brig. And I got Mr. Bradmaster here with me. How are you, Brad? I'm doing well, Brig. Thank you. How are you today? Not bad. Not bad. It's late, allergy season, and we're all going to do the best we can because it's also hot in Phoenix. <laughs> That's right. It is. It, it was like overnight. It was like fine, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's like hot. Mm, nice. <laughs> On the day yeah, of well. soccer practice. Love it. Of course. <laughs> Did you, uh, were you able to taste some brown water while you were out there with the, your Brown Creek water while you're out there with playing football with footballers? <laughs> no. no, I had, I had like lightning yellow Creek water in my cup instead. Nice. The, so, you're yeah. doing the do? <laughs> yeah. Doing the do. Yeah. You yep. would do the do. <laughs> All right, baseball family, if you uh, missed your opportunity to jump on the T-Mobile bandwagon and, you know, like you should, maybe switch over to T-Mobile, and I'm not getting paid <laughs> to say that, uh, I love T-Mobile. And the reason I love T-Mobile is because they give me free baseball every year. So T-Mobile is doing its second round. This is unprecedented, but they're doing a second round giveaway of, of MLB TV, and you can claim your free MLB TV from May 23rd to July 17th. That's is, a huge window. A huge window. Yeah. that's a, hmm. You took the words right out of my mouth. It's an enormous window. Kind of don't know why they're pushing this marketing, but we don't also don't really care. We're just really excited to have another opportunity to get a $150 free package of MLB TV. <laughs> yeah. So if you're like yeah. me and you're willing to sell your soul for some baseball, jump ship to T-Mobile <laughs> and grab yourself some of that. You got quite the window to do it, um, and I'm not getting paid to say that they have iPhones and Androids at the flagship level all around. Anyway, I should get paid. We should get paid by them. We should. We might yeah. just send an email. I'm going to call my alderman. All right. <laughs> Let's start. Let's start here. <laughs> do they even have those anymore? I don't Isn't know. Isn't that like a New England thing, an alderman? I don't know. I'm not sure. I know it's old school. Anyway, all right, let's start with our favorite topic about the A's. Alderman. The A's. Are you laughing because you don't? This is the first time you've recognized I've said it that way, or because no. it just keeps coming that it way? It just keeps it's coming. It's just so funny. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead with the A's. It's like a hundred years, yeah. Okay, yeah. so. The Athletics, which I'm sort of not comfortable calling Oakland anymore, like attaching Oakland to that name anymore. Is anybody else feeling that way? What do you think, Brad? You're going to have to start detaching, yeah. You're right. Yeah. So I'm disassociating myself from the name Oakland Athletics and just going with the Athletics. Um, and for those of you that don't know, they used to be in Philadelphia, and they had a rich and storied franchise. too. Yep, and they have been all over the place, so this is not necessarily a new thing for the franchise if you go back far enough. Okay, they have made new uh, milestone progress on this relocation deal, and I think it's worth talking about. They made an announcement today. Today's Monday. 
for a 30,000 seat stadium on a 35 acre site, which is where the Tropicana Hotel and Casino has been on the Vegas Strip. So this is like one block closer to all the action because it's actually on the strip instead of behind it. And it's a smaller facility, so it will kind of play into that exclusivity that MLB likes with those old old school retro baseball parks, not the new retro look. It's an eyeballs thing, too, that if they're not selling selling out that stadium, it doesn't look nearly as bad if it's huge. Because exactly. that was something that they were pitching in Portland too. Is like, well, it'll just be twenty five thousand people. So there's a level of exclusivity that people in Portland like. And if we're not yep. selling it out, it doesn't look nearly as bad if we've got forty thousand empty seats because we're only packing in twenty when we've got sixty thousand. So Bingo. it's kind of an aesthetics thing as well. I totally agree. The project is now expected to cost about one point five billion dollars, which is a little bit of a discount in some ways, as the last deal we saw. Uh, I think it's like 1.6 was the number we saw from the last Mm. deal. But now they don't need the gondola rides and they don't need any sort of L train like we were talking about because they'll be right in the heart of the action um, at the end of the strip. So Mm. that's really cool. The A's are asking for nearly $400 just from public support from the Nevada legislature to help get this bonded and taken care of. Um, They may vote on a proposal this week. Um, at the legislative level to see if they're even willing to play ball all the way around. So that's pretty exciting. I feel like that's a big jump forward from where we were last week, which was more speculative, don't you think? Right. Yeah, it is. It really is. And I feel like this week we've seen, like, why is it all of a sudden we're seeing, like, renderings for ballparks? Like, we have this one, and Orlando is, like, really pushing hard in the last couple days. Like, they have, like, did you see that thing that they pushed that they sent out? With yeah, like, it looks sci-fi. It's yeah, it does. It's like a ballpark attached to like a park and yeah. like an amusement park, and it's all indoors, and it's just absolutely bananas. And the whole and the whole ceiling is glass with like yeah. struts the, and beams that are this like alloy material that's going to hold it all up. It's it looks like a space helmet, honestly. For a yeah, giant, it does. And it, it, yeah, it's, yeah, it's crazy. I'm curious. If the A's are kind of looking at that and being like, that could work. You could yeah, do that around here. Like that. Yeah. Because it would certainly fit in with the rest of Vegas. You have something that's gaudy and ridiculous, like the, where the Raiders play, it looks like a freaking spaceship. It's enormous. It does. And yeah, it does. I'm sure that I'm sure that the A's are gonna want something with a similar look to compete with everything else around it that yeah. pulls in the eyeballs. So oh, I totally agree. They're It'll hoping to have this that. open. They're hoping to have this open by 2027. Um, the Oakland Coliseum loses its lease in 2024, the end of the 2024 season, uh, for the athletics to play there. And so they're saying that in the interim, they would play at the Las Vegas Aviators AAA facility while they are no longer allowed mm. to be in Oakland's Coliseum, and they are going to now be relocated to Vegas. So it could be a couple of years at the AAA facility. I'm... I'm not sure. I mean, every game would have to be a night game there oh, during yeah. the summer because it's it's as it's close to, if not as hot there as it is here. Yeah. And there's been discussions about issues with Chase Field because they have issues with the roof all the time. And so, and and one of the things is that they were worried about like they're like the players' association won't let us play games here during the day because it's so hot. Like we have to figure mm-hmm. the roof out. And yeah. so I'm curious if that's what 
one of the stipulations will be at that AAA park is like you got to play night games all the time. It's you cannot put guys out in 115 degree heat because it's it's just not not good. It's not safe. It's perfectly reasonable to me. I don't know. We'll see. But you're right. Tony Clark in the Players Association would absolutely insist, and they would get their way, and it would be the right answer. So yeah. Super dumb. And honestly, honestly, when it comes down to it, too, I think that the owners would like it more because day games don't sell the way night games do. Unless it's no, and even and the players don't like playing day games anyway. They all like being under the lights because I they don't can know. See it the seems like better. they do. I'm, I was looking at it yesterday, and it's like the bats are like legitimately more awake during the day than they are at night games. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I think so. And I I love going to a day game. But oh, yeah, every game ball player I hear says that they like the lights because they can see the ball better. You can, you can. So yeah, I don't know. The thing. I, just, I think it's funny that day games are just like that weird thing where it's like you don't know who's going to win the game. It's probably going to be high scoring. It's just out of control baseball. It's just it's chaos ball during the day for whatever reason. I, love I, don't, know what, I don't know what it is. I love a day game. <clears throat> I don't even care. Um, I'm going to a day game this August, actually, in New York. Oh, I just found out. I'm very excited about it. That is very exciting. I'm excited for you. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to mid-yawn that, but that's how it goes. <laughs> it is late, Brick. I'm like, I'm so excited. All right, uh, let's move on. Cedric Mullins hit for the cycle, which you'd think would be the most exciting thing the Orioles have going this year, except it's just par for the freaking course right now for <laughs> the birds. Okay? Just, if things can be going their way, they're going to be going their way right now. And Cedric Mullins is just there for the party. He is a big part of it, and this is just further evidence. So... This is his first cycle in his career, which is super exciting as we kind of see the tail end of his career coming. The 12th in Orioles history. The tail end of his career coming? What? Don't you think? No. Yes, no. you do. Yes, no. you do. His career was on the skids until he got, a, got here and they started doing well. Cedric Mullins? Didn't he come up with the Orioles? No. He's 28 he? years old. Yeah, he's been in Baltimore forever. You're thinking of somebody else, Brick. Maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. Anyway, it's his first cycle. <laughs> 12th in Orioles history. He's the 11th player in the Orioles franchise to do it. Nobody cares, Brad. He's... <laughs> there have only been two cycles hit this season so far across the league. The other one was Luis Arise. He did it on uh, April 11th, and everybody knows that. Go ahead, Brad. Brad has a cycle trivia question for me. He's going to break okay. out my big T trauma with trivia. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Who are the three players? I'll, I'll make it a little bit easier. Okay. There are three players in history who have hit for the cycle three times. Bob Musel did it in 21, 22, and 28 for the Yankees. Okay. But they're, the other two guys who have done it are active players. They've both what? done it three times. Can you name for me those two fellers? They're active? Active, yeah. And they've already done it three times. They've already done it three times, yep. And they're pretty, uh, they're, I'd say they're in the middle of their careers, both these guys. Um, Why do I want to say Acuna? I don't know why. No, that's not right. And it's not Otani, is it? No, no, not Otani. Uh, then I have no idea. Okay, Acuna has not hit for the cycle. One is Christian Yelich. He did it Ooh. twice in 2018. 
And once in 2022, hmm. the other guy is none other than Trey Turner. He did it three times with the Nats. He did it in 2017, 2019, and 2021. Get out of this whole town right now. I will not. <laughs> That's fabulous. Trey Turner, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it does. I could see that guy hitting for the cycle two, three more times. Yeah, because he'll but extend those. He'll snap. he'll stretch those doubles into triples and make it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's got pop he's so too, fast. so he can he can make it happen. Well, thanks for spoiling it for everybody, Brad, on that trivia question. <laughs> Let me just hide no and shame really quick on every time Brad has a trivia question. Don't worry, I have a trivia question for you. So uh, <laughs> okay. put that in your pipe and smoke it. All right, yeah, uh, update on Otani's impending free agency. We got to talk about uh, this is showtime here our little showtime Mm -hmm. segment one MLB executive or excuse me, MLB executives and agents and insiders and everybody else who cares. They're all saying that Otani should get and likely will get $524 million. It's a lot of tortillas. Show enough. <laughs> uh, Brad, the question I have for you is, is that too much? Is it not enough? Where do you stand I don't, on that? I don't think it's enough. No. I mean, I've said it before. I've, I'll, I've said it before. I'll say it again. And you got to look at Otani as two different players. He is a pitcher and he is a hitter. He is a dominant MVP caliber pitcher, a dominant yeah. MVP caliber DH. Yeah. What would you pay that level of pitcher? What would you pay that level of DH? If you're looking 300 million each, you got to pay him $600 million. You're getting a discount at 524. In fact, you're probably getting a discount at, at 600. Even if you're thinking, okay, 350 for the hitter, 300 for the pitcher, 600 million is still going to be a discount. Because yeah. you're you're going out and you're getting two elite players on the free agent market, like you have to pony up. I think I think at bare minimum five fifty is going to be the mark. Wow, that's incredible. That's what I would walk into a room and say it's five fifty. If you don't want to give me that, I'll go somewhere else and get it. Which I know doesn't really feel, fit feel like it fits Otani's personality, but he certainly could. Yeah, well, he's worth it. It's just going to be a matter of does his people. Does his people do his people care enough to swing the big hammer and get him what he's worth? Because I agree that's what he's worth. Shoot, (laughs) I agree that's what he's worth. The problem is, what other things does he value maybe more than money? Well, and so they—that's one of the things that's crazy too—is the money that he generates off the field. Like I think I, I think they said that he brings in like thirty. What was it, like three hundred million or something like that a year yeah. off the field? Yeah, that was last year's projected earnings just off his merch. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So his merch sales alone are going to pay for him. You you go out yeah. and you get him, and you just deal with it because he's gonna he's gonna pay it back in multiples, right? Oh yeah, those dividends are coming back hard. Yeah, so. I don't think you worry about what he wants. I think you pay it up because you're going to get it back. Anyway, the question now is um, who's going to pony up the dough and do who's going to 
run up the price <laughs> because we've seen Steve Cohen, who's absolutely willing to throw figures around and bring anybody on mm -hmm. for just about any yeah. price and whatever. And he'll just throw numbers at you and that will run up the score as it were on the rest of the league to try and be able to, to, you know, match. And that's going to really put a damper on his abilities to go to a more middle market team like Seattle. Mm -hmm. That's going to be tough. It would. Um, but like, I don't know. Cause I don't remember if I mentioned this to you or if it was, or if I was talking to Jewel that like we both kind of complained a little bit that the Mariners didn't spend a lot of money this off season that, it, and it's like, and I understand like you can't force free agents to come to your team, but they didn't even make offers. Right. Like they just, they just sat on their hands during the winter meetings. They didn't really do anything. And I wonder if it was one of those things where they were like, mm, we got a good team right now, but the one we want is next year. So we don't want to dedicate too much money yeah. that off season because we got to, we kind of got to save if we're going to be making an offer, a competitive offer to Otani. And so I wonder if that's kind of how that came in, but. I feel like anybody who's got any money at all can offer Otani because, like I said, they're going to make the money back anyway. Yeah, that's Damn. true. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. We're going to pay attention. We'll keep you updated, baseball family, as things progress. Sure. Um, let's move on. The Yankees split the series, a four-game series with the Rays. And this is unheard of because of all the reasons. The Yankees have been playing basement baseball for the last couple of weeks, and we have all been saying that Rome is burning, and it's crazy. And then sudden, and the Rays cannot miss. They've been undeniably amazing. And then they walk in and face the Yankees, and they split the series. I mean, I'm as a Yankees fan, I'm thrilled. But as a baseball fan, I'm confused. Is this just a? <laughs> is this just like a middle May sort of balancing out of things, or or what happened here? Yeah, I think that's what it is, is it's a balancing out. Because like I said before, the, I can't remember if I said it again. I can't remember if I said it here or if we were if it was in conversation that what the Rays are doing is not super sustainable because they have guys outperforming their career averages, right? Like, yeah, you yes, you can have a career. You can have a career year. That's fine. I understand that. But to be outperforming by that much, to like yeah. take the next level, that's not that's not sustainable. You're not going to play at that level for an entire mm -hmm. season. So I think this is a, a little bit of a, a correction to the mean. Uh, the Rays are still really good. I'm not going to take anything away from them oh. because you've got to play really well to have that kind of start. I don't think they're going to have an Angels-esque meltdown. <laughs> I don't think so. Mm. Because they're better than that. But yeah. I do think they're going to they're gonna be uh, – they're, they're catchable because it was so early. They're going to be catchable. Mm. I think the Orioles could potentially rattle some off and catch up to them. You know who's not catchable is Anthony Volpe. You're right. You know who is catchable is John Sterling's Anthony Volpe home run calls. Oh, <laughs> oh, it's bad. I didn't think it could get worse than Stanton's, but I was. What does way he say? Wrong. What does he say? I don't. I will not repeat it here. It's that bad. <laughs> I don't even. So I heard funny. it and I was like, what? I'm going to have to go look up on the Google machine and see if I can find it. Do one. it. You go figure it out on your own time because I do not have time for that crap, okay? <laughs> it's so forced. Anyway, uh, Volpe is creating runs out of thin air, and we love small ball, but this guy's playing the smallest of baseball right now, okay? 
Well, and on also Saturday. big baseball. He's playing big ball too. Grand Slam he the other is. day. Dude. Yeah, that's right. His average sucks, but his production value and his capabilities defensively, don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. Let me tell you a story. Saturday, Anthony Volpe facing the Rays. He decides he's going to uh, – the Rays are up 6-4, right? Volpe, with nobody on base, lays down an exquisite bunt right up the left sideline, right up the third baseline. And he guns – it's dude's fast. He guns it to first base. Paredes muffs the the grab. He tried to barehand it coming in from third base. Muffed it. Didn't even make the throw. Didn't even catch the ball. Volpe safe on first base. Then Volpe decides he's going to steal second base, and he does. Totally doesn't even get caught. Then he decides he's going to steal third base. Didn't even throw. There was not even an attempt to catch him. And then there's a wild pitch, and he scores. <laughs> scores <laughs> from a bunt. He bunt <laughs> single. Manufactured his own run. <laughs> yeah, he bunt singles, stole two bases, scored on a wild pitch with a terrific jump. This is the smallest of baseball. Okay, he's he's literally pulling runs out of thin air, and it's I'm here for it all day long. So do you think this? The, do you think the rest of the dugout seeing that kind of stuff, the rest of the clubhouse seeing that kind of stuff? Do you think it has kind of brought those guys around and rallied them maybe a little bit because they they've kind of it turned it around in the last several days? Yeah, I, I also think Aaron Judge is back. Right, the captain's yeah, back on deal. the ship. Yeah, that's a yeah. big deal. We, you know, there's a. There's, we're always talking about X-Factor and whether it's relevant or not. For those of you that don't know, Brad and I are full X-Factor team guys. We really believe in this X-Factor clubhouse cohesion junk. Yeah, yeah. And whether it's all the way stitious or just a little suspicious, I don't know. But it, we have that much superstition. That's one we believe in all of the way. It's not. Yeah. There's no rabbit's feet involved. This one's real. Um, Anthony Volpe... Yes, definitely. We're going to turn on both sides and we're going to say a prayer. Okay. So <laughs> Anthony Volpe has stolen 13 bases now. Um, and he's fifth overall. And we'll get to that. But Joe DiMaggio, over the first three years of his uh, big league career, went uncontested, or excuse me, was not caught stealing 12 out of 12 times. 12 stolen base attempts, totally successful. And then in 1938, he was tossed out on one of his. There's 13 well, stolen bases. Tossed. Yeah, you're Who right. Who He might have been tossed. Constantly. Maybe he got. Maybe he was mad that he got caught. Maybe he, he was tossed. Mad. You're right. Thank you for the semantic <laughs> correction. That's important. That really is. He gets caught this late. He gets caught stealing <laughs> on his 13th stolen base attempt in 1938. That was the record to open your career as a Yankee from your rookie season on. Until the other day when Anthony Volpe in that scenario stole his 13th. So now Anthony Volpe oh, is By the way, the, it's May. And it's May and it's his first season. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. It's super awesome. Anyway, back to what I was saying. Stolen base leader. Esther Ray Ruiz has 18. Ronald Acuna Jr. has 17. Jazz Chisholm Jr. and Jihuan Bay both have 14. And Volpe's in fifth place with 13. That's where the league stands as far as stolen bases. And it's pretty interesting to see these elevated numbers through mid-Mates, 25% of the way through the season. If this mm -hmm. continues, then you know these guys are on pace to steal a lot of bases. And I'm here so for we, it. 
that 30 30 40 40 situation is on its way back and we are yep. it's going to be amazing exactly right tell us about zach granke brad so zach granke became the fifth pitcher ever to strike out 1000 individual batters um I think that's an incredible feat, not only because you have to play for a long time, but also you have to be a strikeout pitcher for a long time because we see guys who, and I know strikeouts are like way up over the last several years because guys don't care about it nearly as much. But at the same time, though, like you still got to play for a long time to be able to strike out in 1,000 individual batters. The only, the other four guys ever to have done this were Roger Clemens at 1022, uh, Greg Maddox with 1049. Randy Johnson with 11.23 and Nolan Ryan because he started pitching in 11.82 AD. Yeah. <laughs> he has 11.82. <laughs> Moses was his squad leader when he took the yes. mound for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> I think he struck out Noah. That was his first strike. He struck out Noah. Like, yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah. Gave him first the heat. Snap, couldn't catch up. <laughs> well, Noah was not in his prime at that point. Let's be honest. <laughs> At small least 750 fan. years old. He's yeah. playing small ball at that time. <laughs> anyway, no, that's a that was quite an accomplishment for Zach Granke. I think it's yeah, really cool yeah. that the guy's still around and still doing it. And like he's he's just so funny too, playing for the Royals. He just is out there, just like I'm just gonna do my thing. I don't really care anymore. Just yeah, I think that's whatever. clear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm here for it. Super exciting. Congratulations to Zach Granke. I think this is kind of cool stuff. Like fifth all time. That's I think a super cool statistic. Yeah, I do think we're going to see. Well, I don't know. I was going to say I think we're going to see more guys get there, but I don't think we will because careers are shorter now they than are. they used to be. The and guys, starting pitchers aren't going as deep anyway. Exactly. So. I was going to say guys aren't going as deep in games. Their arms blow up earlier. So, yep. We might not see too many more over the next several years. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Let's jump over. Let's the talk animal. about the. Yeah, the National League is also fascinating because the Phillies and the Rockies had a a, a grudge match uh, that went down. Wasn't it on Mother's Day? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was on Sunday. It was yesterday on Sunday. So they decided what to celebrate Mother's, Mother's Day. Say about this, Ugh. yeah, God. brother Harper. Okay, he's indicted in this situation. We got at a benches clearing shove match. Here's what happened: right-handed pitcher Jake Bird. Put down three in a row in the seventh inning against the Phillies. It was it was at Coors Field versus the Rockies. Played the Phillies, and uh, he starts chirping at the Phillies dugout, and he's he's chirping, he's slapping his glove, he's you know doing his thing. Brother Harper takes exception. He comes storming out of the dugout. Of course, his his locks are flowing. He's got his <laughs> junk band protecting his head from sweat. And he comes out with his bite suit arm attached. His bionic and, arm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> his schutzund bite arm, you know. <laughs> anyway, he comes out and uh, everybody stops him. And the, and the base is, or the bench is empty and the dugouts come out. And everybody's well, shoving each other and whatever. And yeah. The one person who was not there was Jake Bird. <laughs> <laughs> In all this melee... He's the one that was not able to be found because <laughs> I guess he, quote, flew off to the dugout pretty quickly. That was good. That was good. Thank you. Um, I think I read that somewhere. I'm not going to take credit for that, but it was terrific <laughs> when I read it. I had to use it here. So anyway, uh, Jake Bird and Brother Harper get uh, ejected, objected, ejected from the game. 
uh, based on this situation. And after the game, this is what I thought was the best part of the story. After the game, during an interview, Bird was asked, uh, what the heck happened? <laughs> he was like, I was just showing emotion, man. Wasn't directing anything toward the Such Phillies. Load. I'm like, come on, man. Anybody, anybody with even one eyeball and a cataract in that eyeball can see <laughs> that he was chirping. <laughs> he was directing all of his anger and energy and emotion, or whatever you want to call it, at the Phillies dugout. And here we go. Leadership, team cohesion, X-Factor stuff. Bryce Harper's the backbone and heart and soul of that team. He jumps out of the dugout to defend his turf. Absolutely, he does. What are they going to not let him, you know, right. throw the ball? Who cares? <laughs> like, <laughs> so he takes one for the team, and he gets he keeps that energy going. He keeps the juice alive in the dugout. I think this was a ridiculous situation by by Jake Bird. I think this was an incredible leadership move by Brother Harper. That's to me. That's the storyline. Right. Yeah. The leadership. I, I absolutely agree with you. And uh, well, I mean, the Rockies did end up winning the game four zero. <clears throat> so and I think some of that might have to do with the fact they didn't have Brother Harper late in the game. But yeah. I mean, this is the thing is like. I don't know, maybe maybe Bird feels like he needs to celebrate every victory he gets because the Rockies are 17 and 24. Okay. I could get behind that. You know, maybe that's what it is. Like, yes, finally won something. Yeah, you know, <laughs> got to find a way to like manufacture emotion and energy, and maybe that's what he does. That's you know, fair. I don't know, but at the same time, though, man, like, understand where you're directing that emotion, and have a mind for the consequences too, right? Because somebody's going to take ex- exception to that, and it's kind of it's it's kind of funny that somebody did because I was talking to one of the guys who played basketball when we were in college. And I said something about how I was at a soccer game in Seattle. And I was like, man, somebody said something. I was like, really not sure how the players, if the players would have heard it, how they would have reacted. He's like, I love that stuff, man. He's like, chirp at me all you want from the stands. He's like, just, it just fuels me, gives me more energy, you know? Nice. And so some guys, some guys can take it, some guys can handle it, but other guys, I guess, just can't, you know? I don't know. And maybe, maybe Harper was frustrated because they were losing. I don't know. I don't but. think so, I, and you maybe you're right. Who knows what's what he's thinking? But for me, he's he's still kind of rehabbing. He's still doing the best he can to support the team and whatever. But he he brings that sort of backbone leadership, and like so, he gets taken out of the game. That he's I don't know. I just thought it was a brilliant stroke, but in the seventh <laughs> inning, good. whatever. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So since the Padres put up cry, the crying Kershaw, we talked about that last week. Banner, yeah, 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 yeah. After they, after the Padres beat the uh, beat the Dodgers, the Dodgers. At home, they put crying Kershaw up on the jumbotron, and then the Dodgers went and won the next two games and won the series. Yeah, yeah exactly. Go ahead. The Dodgers are now five and zero against uh, against the Padres. <laughs> they swept them this week. <laughs> yeah, Dodgers swept up in the Padres. L.A. In LA, Friday four to two, uh, Saturday four to two, Sunday four to zero, all in LA favor. <laughs> and they're seven so, and one overall since the crying Kershaw. They took two two out of three from the Brewers. Thank you so much, San Diego, for awaking a sleeping giant, and you stay yeah. classy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, I I get it. You're a rival. 
and you want to do silly stuff like that. But at the same time, though, like they've owned that division for the better part of a decade. Yeah. Just let a sleeping dog lie. If you're going to beat them, enjoy it in the clubhouse or something. Don't do something to awaken (laughs) that fury that they can unleash on you and the rest of the NL West because you're going to pay for it. It's Dearly. one thing if the it's one thing if the fans had dangled a banner like the one they did with Mookie, Mookie Betts, Betts in the corn yeah. in the corn, <laughs> <laughs> which was really funny. He thought it was funny. Yeah. Nobody cares. But to put it on the the big screen, right, and the scoreboard and everything, like that's an institutional problem, and that's I think where they took umbrage with it, and I would have too. Well, and the other thing to me is like the Dodgers could have gone and just won those two games and then just lost every game between now and then. To me, doing something like that, though, screams little brother syndrome, right? Totally. That the Padres are like, ha, we finally beat you. We're the little brother. We finally took it to you. It's like, yep. I don't want to say act like you've been there before because I hate that. But at the same time, though, organizationally, like, don't act like the little brother because yeah. it's a bad look every day every every day uh let's move on uh this is our taylor duke segment for the week <laughs> we're very excited for taylor taylor's one of our listeners and he said that uh he, we don't talk about the d-backs enough which i think we is, don't is reasonable you know yep. um and so we're going to talk about the d-backs now and we're going to make it a big deal just for taylor we're very excited and we're going to talk about your gold glover, Christian Walker. So, Taylor, I don't know if you noticed, but on Friday's game versus the San Francisco Giants, Christian Walker got tossed from the game while he was behind, while he was in the dugout. Here's the situation. Teammate goes in, check swing, pulls it back. Umpires say he did not go around. Safe call. Christian Walker standing up on the top rail behind the the netting of the dugout claps his hands and then gets ejected. (laughs) (laughs) That is the softest move I've ever seen by an umpire. I I could not understand. He was baffled. Everyone was baffled. All he did was celebrate the fact that his buddy pulled back in time, got the call he wanted. And that was it. I think it was brilliant. Uh, by Christian Walker, did the right thing. But well, he did Freak do the man, right thing. Like he celebrated uh, the win. He celebrated the win. You celebrate the small win. And it was wins. calm. And yeah, it's not like he was like, and, you know, <laughs> unless even... unless he said "good job, Blue," and because it was the home home plate umpire who tossed him. Unless he said "good job, Blue," and they saw that as like super sarcastic because maybe they hadn't been doing a good job maybe that's what did it but at the same time he didn't it doesn't sound like he said the thing that you don't say to an umpire no i watched the video and there's no he doesn't even say anything i don't think i saw him say anything (laughs) he literally claps and turns away from home plate and is looking at his teammates down the dugout (laughs) and then turns back around and goes what (laughs) (laughs) it was Oh man. Okay. There you go, Taylor. So we're confused and we're so sorry. But hey, those uh, gonna... D-backs might be for real though, by the way. That's true. Might be. Might be. They've, might they've got be. Corbin Carroll and Dominic Fletcher are legit. 
Corbin Carroll is rocket fire right now. Yeah. Yeah. I can't man, get enough kid, of how awesome yeah. he is. I know. He's that kid knows to how to ball. person too. Um, Brad, are you going to be ready on the trigger fair for this? Because baseball family, we have a new segment that we're excited to introduce you to. Go ahead, Brad. Cue the music. Air show. Where we talk about how awful some of the umpires are. Umpire <laughs> shenanigans rule the stage. First things first in the umpire segment of the show today, Angel Hernandez has officially officiated only one game this season and news has started to break everywhere as we all come to awareness of this fact that the only time he has been on the field during a major league baseball game in 2023 was april 3rd that wasn't even behind home plate brad he played the third base umpire role that day and he's probably still got it wrong (laughs) he probably did (laughs) Uh, what I will say, though, is everybody's pretty excited that Angel Hernandez is absolutely not in charge of home plate calls. And, you know, I hadn't even thought about it until we saw this graphic Either. on social media. I think it was today. It was like, yeah. oh, yeah, you haven't seen you haven't seen the Angel Hernandez home plate call compilation in a while. Because yeah. it hasn't existed this year yet. Nope. Nope, it totally hasn't. And I'm, I'm here for it. The only problem is... There's a little bit of a back-channel storyline going on here that's not as exciting. They're citing a medical issue that's likely the cause of his absence, and that's never fun. So even though we love to rag on Angel Hernandez, and even though he's complete meltdown anytime he's calling balls and strikes and wants to make everything about him, a medical issue still no joke. We don't want don't really want to. But do let's it. be honest, it's probably his eyes. <laughs> Yeah, it probably is his eyes. <laughs> what do you want to bet? <laughs> He's having a hard time recovering from cataract surgery. Yeah, it wasn't. It, he didn't strain something out there doing them trunk rotations. <laughs> All that stretching. <laughs> yeah, he's not. It wasn't that. Anyway. Okay, let's move on. MLB umpire director. Oh, wait, so I said that. It's, it's freaking eyes. Okay, cancel the music. There's some good news in the umpire world. Trip Gibson's April 23 home plate performance was literally incredible. And I've got the graphic right here. I'm going to pull this up, Brad. Check this out. Sweet. Oakland versus Texas. Oakland lost two to five. No, duh. Trip Gibson. (laughs) It was a Sunday. Trip Gibson's overall accuracy, 99%. The expected average uh, accuracy average was 97. So he way outperformed himself. Um, his relative accuracy was, again, in the positive, way, almost two points above expectations. Overall favor was only 0.66 runs in favor of Texas. And in a game like this it's versus the athletics, I don't think, I think that's all negligible. His overall consistency was 97%. His average has been 94. Or is that a league average? I can't remember. Uh, a league average is 94. Yeah, that's right. So you look at those impactful calls. This is the thing that's crazy to me is bottom of the first, uh, you've got at the top of the zone was a strike that was called a ball. And then the bottom of the second on um, the outside corner of the plate, outside edge of the zone was called a ball. And that one, that one, I don't want to call it egregious, but it was definitely on the plate was called a ball. But in the bottom of the second, you're not too worried about it typically, especially with one out and the base is empty and an O2 count. 
right? Not that big of a deal. And that one at the top of the zone, one out, runners on first and second and three. So that loaded up the bases. But still, like, you're not super fretting that because that's a borderline call. That ball barely touched the zone. So you're kind of like, okay, maybe up a little bit. But not a, not super bad calls that he missed. I mean, I think most people would kind of roll with it, especially given that that situation in the bottom of the second. Kind of like, nah, all right, one, two. Yeah. Out of 101 called balls, only two were actually strikes. Yeah, those, those two. two. Brad has told That's you about. crazy. Out of 44 called strikes, all of them were actual strikes. He never missed a strike call the whole and game. That, that, to me, is the big deal. Yeah. That's the one is because calling balls strikes messes with hitters heads. And pe- I know people, you got to adjust the zone, whatever, but the strike zone, it says in the rules what it is. And the plate yeah. is the plate. It's not relative. It's not subjective. It is what it is. Yeah, I agree. The zone is the zone. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Right. So here's my question, Brad. This is obviously an outlier situation, right? Yeah. Very and much. Time so. you, every time you get a one off, you have to think, okay, was this just a really good day? Same with pitching, right? You're like, is this just a really good day or something else going on? You have to ask that question. And the way the baseball is being played today, it's unfortunate, but we do have to ask that question. My right. initial thought was, wow, good for him. My very next thought was, did they sneak a robot umpire situation into this game? Maybe. I don't think they did, but they could have. Remember a couple of years ago in the playoffs, the umpires were really good. And we were like, are they like sneaking these yeah. robot umpires yeah. in here? Because, and that's, that's the problem though, is that umpires and their zones should be good enough that that shouldn't be the first thing we ask when they do a good job. Exactly. Like, are, they getting, are they getting some help here? That's you know? what, so there, therein lies the problem, right? That they're, the rest of the league seems to have a, a serious problem. Enough of a problem that when one guy does a great job one time, we are not willing to trust that it was a great thing. We want to celebrate that it was a great thing, but we can't trust it. And I think that that is a big problem. It is. Okay, so I have a follow-up question. If in the future, let's say at the end of the season or or maybe at the All-Star break or whatever, they came out and they say, all right, it's probably going to be at the end of the season. They say, okay, remember this instance and this instance and this instance. When those umpires did a great job and everybody was really excited about it. Well, guess what? We used robot umps those days and you didn't even notice, right? I don't think they're going to do that. But let's just say in some Orwellian situation that happens in November (laughs) that that's what happens. And Manfred gets out there and he says, neener, neener, boo, boo. I told you this is a great idea. See, I promise. And I proved it in low leverage games. Okay, is it a bit of a conspiracy theory? Yeah, I got that. I understand that I'm. You forgot your you know, tinfoil hat, Brick. I'm reaching a little bit here, but at the same time, I do think it's interesting. And if, as fans, that were to happen, Brad, what would your reaction be? I mean, I've been saying for years I'm okay with the robot umpires. So on one level, I'd be like, "Awesome, great. See, yeah, it's awesome. It works." Uh, you nobody ever noticed even a difference aside from the fact that they were really really good um, but the problem that i do have is with transparency it's like okay so what else are you lying to us about are the baseballs really juiced again um are we are there really three are, kinds yeah are we doing 
are doing some other stuff behind the scene that we're not letting the fans know about that's messing with the game that yeah. are are we are we fixing games maybe hard maybe to fix organically game, but yeah. yeah that was my that's exactly what I was worried about. That's the big issue: is that it yeah. it raises more questions than it answers, and and causes more problems than it solves. If they were to do that, so yeah, that's really what what it comes down to. Get out of my head, Mister. <laughs> All right, let's move on to interleague stuff because this, I think, there's two two situations here that are fabulous and super fascinating. Atlanta was swept by Toronto. How in the world this happened? I have no idea. Now, I've said over the last few weeks that Toronto's a pretty good ball club, right? They are. That, yeah, you're right. And and you've agreed with me, but I feel like you've been a little hesitant to give them the props they've deserved, and mm-hmm. which is fair. But now I'm not sure how to feel anymore. I feel like somebody went and done poke my dark spot again, and I'm trying to figure <laughs> out just exactly where I stand. <laughs> so like somebody is- staged a coup in the kingdom. Yeah, so the thing that's interesting to me about Toronto is that um, Jose Barrios and Alec Manoa have not had great starts, but they still figure out ways to win. And they're coming. It seems it seems like they're coming around at least that they're starting to figure things out because they're doing better. I don't know yeah. if it's a you know up and down situation or not, or if they're just up. You say Kikuchi has been a man on fire, yeah. hasn't had a loss yet, gets tons of run support. But he also did this in the first half in Seattle a couple of years ago when he was an all-star. Yeah. So in Seattle, he got tired at the break and was terrible down the stretch. And so we could see that happen again. We could see some stuff start to fall apart, fall apart because, again, it is pretty early. But right now, I mean, Toronto, obviously they have the talent. I mean, they have a couple of guys who are going to compete for the MVP in, uh, in Vlad Jr. and Bo Bichette, I feel like. And... Um, they got Matt Chapman is Matt Chapman again. Like, right. They're, they're a good squad. Yeah. And they're start and they're really playing like it. I mean, 24 and 17 coming into, Oh no, that's their record now at Monday night, 24 and 17. Yeah. Cause they lost today. Yeah. But yeah, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with in the American league. They're going to cause a lot of problems for a lot of teams that have good years and still end up missing the playoffs because of that. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, let's stay with the, another American East American League East team. The Red Sox were swept by the Cardinals. They were swept by the Cardinals. The Cardinals still have the worst record in the National League. Yeah. And they got swept by in three games. Friday's game, they dropped it eight to six. Cardinals won. Cardinals won again four to three on Saturday and nine to one yesterday. And then Boston went and lost again tonight, 10 to one versus the Mariners. Yeah, they did. Yeah. So I'm just like following their eight game losing streak. They're now seven and eight, seven right? of eight. They've won seven of eight. They've won. Sorry. Yeah. They won seven of eight after an eight game losing streak. Who are the Cardinals? And, and here's the next question. Because they beat the Brewers 18 to 1 tonight. <laughs> Man. 18 to 1. Oh, and guess what? Tell me. Wilson Contreras <laughs> was catching tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You I don't, don't think they say. know. <laughs> I don't think they know. <laughs> oh, man. 
so weird. Like they're just all over the place. But like we said, they've got the talent there to win games. And 100%. honestly, three days ago, it looked like they're getting ready to have a fire sale next week. Yeah. Well, we called yeah. it. Yeah. And I, I, I saw, I, uh, who was it? Oh, I think it was, I can't remember if it was Jeff Passon or somebody else was on Dan Patrick being like, you could see not, uh, Lars Newtbar moved. You could see Tyler O'Neill moved. You could see Tommy Edmond. Uh, yes. Like you could see all kinds of guys move because be they just, they got offload all these guys because they're terrible and they're not going to get any better. But here they are. Yeah. They're better today than they were three days ago, but who knows if tomorrow they're going to be better than they were three days ago. I don't, I don't know. They beat the Red Sox 9-1. to They beat the Milwaukee Brewers 18-1. to Get out of this town. I have no idea what's happening. The Brewers are 23-18. and they're, They lead the whole division right now at 561. Yeah. And by the way, that is the fourth best record in the National League right now. So here's one for you, Brig. I just had this thought. I don't know if this is necessarily the case or what's going on. I wonder if somebody went to management and they're like, we don't like Ali Marmol. You need to fire him. And they said, no, we're not going to fire him. Go out and play baseball. And they said, okay. And here they are. That's the only thing I can think of. Maybe. Is that management was just like, no, we pay you to play baseball, not make management decisions. So go out and do it. And here they are. Yeah. I mean, that's like we said, it's a team that has playoff potential and they're sure playing like it right now. And granted, it's a very small sample size because it's only a couple days. We'll need to give it another week or two to see what happens, especially against Mm -hmm. the Brewers right now. I'm curious what happens the rest of the series, but man, it is odd. And I am thoroughly confused i'm confused too i'm looking up your trivia question oh okay do you want me to you give ready? a fantasy update wait oh go ahead okay no give fantasy update and then i'll give you okay. a trivia question right. we'll okay. end with that week six fantasy update um let's start with let's start with you brig we're gonna start with brigger mortis against the harrisburg charlies that is john uh Brig, you won this one 509 to 290. Your top performer was none other than Ty France, who's on a 12-game hit streak, by the way. Whoa. Uh, John's uh, top performer was Vlad Guerrero Jr. the third. And then we have the big league Chupacabras. That is Jewel against Denise uh, Grace Under Fire. Jewel won this one big time. 593 to 423. Uh, his oh. Jewel's top performer was um sorry it's not loading i don't know what's going on anyway denise's top performer was uh freddie freeman jules was lamont wade jr uh lamont mm. wade jr had 91 points freddie freeman had 98 uh then we had burns turner overdrive against devastation incorporated that is tory and our listener participant mike uh respectively mike won that one 523 to 436 his top performer was carlos santana of the pirates of all people with 51 points. He had a really well spread out scoring distribution because he also had Zach gallon with 50 points. He was a monster by the way. Um, And then Burns Turner overdrive top performer was Christian Walker with 89 points. I lost yet again. I am who (laughs) I think you are. I lost to not another fantasy team. Jason 557 to 456. I don't feel so bad about that score after seeing some of these others right now. 
Um, mm-hmm. My top performer was Anthony Rizzo with 100 points on the nose, and yeah. Jason's was Nathaniel Lowe with 86 points. So congratulations to him. Now I'm one in five. <laughs> That's fabulous. Before we get to our trivia question, I'm going to tell you that if you want to support the show, this is a great way to do it. Jump on patreon.com. Go to search baseball together, and there are five tiers of support you can choose to uh, commit to, jump into, whatever you want, and it really helps us out. That's probably the best way to support the podcast right now. gives us opportunities to do a lot of cool things for you as the listeners, specifically um, hats and T-shirts and all kinds of things. You can get the unedited version of the episodes with our production meeting times and, and different conversations that we have, all the jokes and everything that's uh, that doesn't get aired on, on the actual podcast recording um and go see we have one dollar five ten fifteen dollar and even a five hundred dollar tier so if you want to jump in there and support the podcast there's lots of ways to do it and lots of perks for you couldn't do it without you so we appreciate all our rooters for their support there for sure and we actually have another thing coming down soon we're gonna Mm -hmm. wait to reveal that um until we get some of the last few details hammered out but it is something that's fun and exciting and we are very excited to tell you about it. All right, it's Bray, the coolest. All right, the trivia question. Ready? <laughs> yep. This team got its name in 1902. Don't Google anything. I'm got not... its name in 1902 after some of its players defected to a crosstown rival, leaving young replacements. Um, got its name in 1902. Yep. The Yonkers Batsman. Nope. You want to try one more time? The New York Yankees? Nope. Um, was it the Pittsburgh Pirates? Nope. It was the Chicago Cubs. Oh, dang. Yeah. The White Sox. Nice. Everybody ran from the White Sox to the Cubs. Interesting. I did yeah. not know that. That is fun. Oh, sorry. They they left. They left the they Cubs left to the White Sox. North side to the White Sox. That's what okay, it was. Okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's right. where they left with a bunch of young kids, and they got named the Cubs. Oh, interesting. And uh, tying into that, do you know why the Chicago Bears are the Bears instead of anything else? No. Because when they're naming the Bears, they're like, well, we've got the Chicago Cubs, and football players are bigger than baseball players, so if they're going to be the same, they're going to be the Bears. Is that really how they got it? Yeah. Yeah, that's where that comes from. That's fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, I thought it was pretty funny. (laughs) I'm here for that all day long. Yeah, me too. Yep. absolutely but baseball family thank you so much for joining us we really appreciate it don't forget to like subscribe rate and review the show let us know what you think about what we're doing you can do that in the comments of every single youtube video you can do that um, in the actual episode or when we drop the bite-sized clips every single day going forward after this Um, we just try to fill up the youtube channel with all kinds of stuff for you guys to watch because uh we it seems like you're enjoying it and so we keep putting it there for you so like we said like subscribe and uh hit that bell so you don't miss anything that's coming down the pipe your way baseball family thank you so much for joining us we will catch you next week